This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, yesterday's train derailment in a heavily populated part of Midtown Toronto resulted in a leak of 1,200 litres of diesel fuel from the westbound cars. And authorities confirmed the eastbound car involved was also carrying hazardous material, but there was no leak. Those goods included non-flammable gas under pressure, compressed nitrogen, aerosol containers, wet batteries, and alcoholic beverages. But according to authorities, there was no threat to public safety. What do you think we want to hear? 416-360-0740. Toll-free 1-866-744-740. Are we just asking for another Lac-Megansic? That's the July 2013 incident when a runaway train crashed, killing 47 people and destroying many buildings in that Quebec town. Now, I have to tell you, I have to confess, this all feels very personal for me. Uh, I live just a few blocks from there. As a matter of fact, uh, there's a little food store we go to, and on Sunday it was a scary scene there with fire engines blocking the entryway and, of course, uh, those train cars on their sides. And to give you an idea of how close, this is literally across the street from residential homes. So it is pretty scary. Uh, Josh Matlow is the city councillor for the area, and he joins me now. Hello, Josh. Hi, Libby. How are you? I'm, I'm well, thank you. Well, what do you make of this? I mean, to me, as someone who lives close by, I'm thinking, we just got lucky, that's all. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, uh, we should all be grateful that uh, there weren't any injuries and this wasn't worse uh, than, than it was. Uh, but I hope that this serves as a wake-up call uh, to uh, the federal government to act, as, as the minister said he would, uh, swiftly on, on rail safety. Uh, there, there, there are those of us who have been advocating for several years now. Um, uh, we asked the, the previous uh, Minister of Transportation, Lisa Raitt, to take action. Uh, and we've, you know, we even held a town hall or local MPs uh, held a town hall that I participated in in Midtown Toronto, uh, asking uh, Minister Garneau to do the same thing. Um, yet today, there are still dangerous DOT 111 cars. These are the tankers uh, that uh, the uh, Transportation Safety Board here in Canada, the American equivalent, have all said are dangerous and need to be replaced. They should be recalled immediately, immediately rather than in 2025. Twenty twenty five. Indeed, uh, <laughs> they've got time. Uh, they've got time to phase them out. And my concern is, you know, if, if for example, if this was a regular car like a Toyota or a Honda or whatever, uh, if they if if they knew that they had a faulty uh, you know airbag or whatever, uh, they would recall that in a heartbeat. You see releases uh, like that all the time. We know that we have dangerous uh, tanker cars 
running through some of the most densely populated neighborhoods in the in, in, in the country, right here in the heart of Toronto. That's right, um, and, and this is not the only densely populated neighborhood. I mean, just a, a, a little bit away from there, and these are expensive neighborhoods, by the way, not that that matters. It, you know, no, Rosedale, there's railway cars there. No, obviously, it doesn't matter uh, what neighborhood. The fact is, is that uh, we have uh, uh, freights of crude oil and other very dangerous materials going right through the hearts of our neighborhoods. In fact, in many cases, just feet away from you know people's yards. And uh, yet, you know, there's very little information out there uh, to help residents even understand what what they're dealing with. <clears throat> I'll give you an example. Um, in 2009, there were you know estimated roughly about a few hundred um, tankers of crude oil going through uh, the backyards of our communities. Within five years, between 09 and 13, it went up to about 150,000. Wow. Um, so, you know, what, what residents are asking for the government to do is, A, there needs to be more transparency about what uh, is being allowed and why it's being allowed. B, um, if there are dangerous, well, we know there are dangerous uh, uh, tanker cars being used, that they should be replaced immediately. And, of course, there should be a, 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 a real look at what other routes can be considered that will go through far less densely populated areas to mitigate the risk to our population. Public safety should come first before all other interests. Uh, can you give me a little more detail? Um, you were saying that these particular cars are dangerous. Is that generally accepted, that they are dangerous? How are they dangerous? And, and if so, why do we have to wait another nine years? Well, they've been called dangerous by, again, uh, our, our own uh, Transportation Safety Board, the American equivalent. But there's been study after study after report after report calling for them uh, to be scrapped. Um, these are the same uh, tankers uh, that exploded in Lac-Megantique, uh, and they've also been responsible uh, for problems elsewhere. Uh, we also know that um, uh, derailments, while you don't hear about them all the time, are actually far too common. If you actually just you know, sort of do a simple Google News, uh, you will find that derailments are happening on a far more fr uh, frequent basis than most people understand across North America. And, you know, our concern has been that because experts have said that these DOT 111s need to be replaced because uh, we know uh, that, um, uh, that, that, you know, just allowing for a transitional period up to, you know, 2025 is far too long. Um, we just wonder, you know, why, why would any government not move uh, as swiftly as possible uh, to see them replaced? And also, um, there are other routes outside of Toronto that could be considered by having CP and CN work together. It, that's very common that railway companies allow their respective trains to go on each other's lines in the United States. And where it's possible to use routes that would mitigate risk to densely populated neighborhoods, I think that should be considered. I mean, I, I, would, I would love in the future, once we focused on the safety principally, to even consider removing freight from the, uh, the, the CP line that goes right through Midtown Toronto and turn that into a commuter rail that would actually contribute to relieving uh, an overcrowded uh, uh, subway system that we have today. So, um, you know, uh, this is where we should be going. 
Uh, it, they all sound like very good ideas. Uh, one question I have, though, this is being blamed on human error. So it, do you think that's a way to focus away from the fact that there's a problem with these cars, a problem with the routes, by saying, it, well, it was just human error? And I hope we do find out what kind of human error, but... Uh, absolutely. It was, you know, humans uh, ultimately are responsible for all of this. Um, whether it be uh, the people working on the train or the people making the political decisions. And what we should be focusing on is, you know, while we recognize that humans are imperfect and they make mistakes, uh, sometimes um, uh, with fault and sometimes uh, mere accidents, that ultimately that doesn't matter if the consequence of that is that a train derails and if something uh, dangerous explodes. Uh, and uh, and you know the, the a disaster zone around a, a, a rail line is roughly half a mile on either side. So imagine if that happened in the heart of Midtown Toronto, it would be catastrophic. And you know to pull back for a moment, we're not you know we're not suggesting that we know that's going to happen. We hope it never will. But why wouldn't we do everything possible proactively before anything like that happens to, 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 to make sure that we are as safe as possible? And I would hope that what happened on Sunday, the derailment uh, right in the heart of Toronto, uh, would, would, would serve as a wake-up call uh, to Ottawa, to the rail companies, uh, to act swiftly. Now, I, and I respect the fact that Minister Garneau has been responsive, that he has said that he's going to act swiftly. But I also look forward to seeing what what that action will mean. Okay, uh, Councillor Matlow, uh, hang on there. Uh, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Raymond in Etobicoke. Hello, Raymond. Hi. You're Hi, a Raymond. former rail worker. I am, and uh, I'm familiar with uh, what took place. Uh, much of this discussion uh, now by uh, Councillor Matlow about dot one eleven tank cars, I believe, is irrelevant. There were no dot .111 cars that uh, were breached. This was a fender bender sort of thing that uh, occasionally happens. The engineer ran a red light, apparently. And, uh, you know, it's like my friend said when he called me yesterday to tell me about it. I, when I said, it's no big deal, after I looked into it, he said, yeah, but the NIMBYs will go nuts. And I knew he was right. Councillor Matlow, do you have a response for that? Um, I haven't. I haven't uh, heard from any NIMBYs in the community. In fact, um, you know, most residents I hear from who live along uh, the line recognize that they chose to live next to a rail line. They recognize that that comes with various annoyances, uh, including noise and, and other uh, disturbances. Um, they're, they're not complaining about those kind of so-called NIMBY things. They're, they're, they're complaining uh, of, about um, a lack of action that they've seen on some basic uh, safety risks. Well, what, what would you want them to do? Just something well, specific other than send it someplace else. There's only three rail lines across the GTA. Where are you going to send it? By the way, um, I just want to mention something, uh, sir. You mentioned something before that uh, the dot one elevens are redundant. I perhaps, perhaps, I'm paraphrasing you. They were not on that train. Yeah, they were not on that train that were breached. And, it, 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 and I would, I would respectfully submit, though, that regardless of that, if that's true, that we have about 150,000 or more uh, that that do go through our city 
um, each year. And whether it be that specific train or not, the concern is, is when and if a train might derail in Midtown Toronto, and if, you know, God forbid, there was uh, an explosion, we want to make sure that the government does everything it can, along with the rail companies, to mitigate uh, the risk to our population. So, you know, what are the options? Of course, we should be looking at other routes. And yes, there is an, uh, a route that goes uh, above the city that at least should be considered. So you're want, you um, want to put it in somebody else's neighborhood? No, it, it's not a matter. I, I, I know that's a, line that's a, to bypass Toronto goes through somebody else's neighborhood. Sir, it, it's not about um, uh, again, with all due respect, and I and I hear that you're kind of you're, you're reacting, but it's not about Toronto versus somewhere else. You call it whatever you want. It's about looking honestly at where the population resides, uh, whether it be in Toronto or elsewhere, and where you have the most densely populated neighborhoods. If there is a way to avoid uh, uh, going through them, I think that should be considered. Um, are you aware, okay, that, are uh, you aware uh, that the trains on North Toronto are operating at a restricted speed and have been since Mississauga? That that's 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 not that's not the point. But I I, I hear you and I appreciate. Well, okay, point, wait a minute. Speed uh, causes accident. Sir, speed causes an explosion of cars. That's what happened at Lake Megantic. That's true. So speed a train is... running at the low speeds that they do through North Toronto is not the same level of risk as was at Lake Megantic. Yeah, but do we need any kind of risk, uh, Raymond? Uh, I'm going to go now to another caller who's yeah. been waiting patiently. Thanks for your call. Yeah. We've got uh, Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Not bad. Um, I'd like, you know, like a lot of people are complaining about the risk, and there was a lot of people, the same thing, complained about the flights out of Malton Airport, or our Toronto Airport, uh, after 11 o'clock at night. They chose to live there. That airport was built in the 40s. And those trains that we're talking about that go through the city were virtually wilderness areas. Now, any, any, what people have to realize, if we ban so-called certain cars, which there's a lot of them, so they ban them, the only person uh, or only people that are going to pay for it is a taxpayer because the railroad doesn't have to pay for it. The railroad doesn't have to move that line. So if the government makes them move the line, the taxpayers pay for it. The the railway's not going to pay for it. They're really? Not going to buy uh, the car. That's actually Cass- not. That's not factually uh, uh, correct. The the, the 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 rails are actually owned by uh, the companies, and in fact, uh, the vast majority of the cars themselves are not even owned by the companies, but owned or the the rail companies, but owned by the petrochemical companies, or or leases. So, uh, uh, you know, but I'll, I'll add this. If taxpayers had to contribute something to making uh, our rail lines safer, uh, and if it was necessary to do so, uh, I'd be willing as one taxpayer to invest in public safety. I I hope you would too. I do too. But the problem is this. The government has so much money. So what do we take that money from? Are we going to reduce the amount of money for medical? Are we going to reduce the money for for military? Maybe we won't build any more bridges or highways? because we have to move a track. It's all dollars and cents in time. So they allow them up to 1920 or 2025 to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. There's a reason for them. Their life expectancy is probably done at that day, so they won't build them like that anymore. But 
Like the government has the, so the, much money. the reason part with with respect, and I don't know this for a fact, but uh, there's a lot of lobbying that happens up on Parliament Hill. No, Those are big companies, and I would suspect that that might have a lot to do with that huge lead time. You know, ultimately, ultimately, uh, like I said uh, earlier, uh, sir, and, and Libby. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there's a price uh, for for anything we do in society, whatever infrastructure we we pay for. In this case, the infrastructure is is owned by uh, by the private sector. But that being said, um, like I said earlier, like if, if there was a you know a, a car, like a regular car that had a, a faulty airbag or a brake problem or whatever there would most likely be an immediate recall because uh, the company uh, would recognize that public safety is a priority. And when we know, based on all the expert reports and recommendations, that this specific tanker car is dangerous and that the government not only uh, doesn't uh, argue that, they actually validate that and, and has said that their position is that they should be phased out, why would we not expect that to be accelerated so that we don't have what we know to be dangerous cars on the rails that go through our neighborhoods? I, I, I would submit to you that that's not an unreasonable request. Well, I, I, uh, I totally agree with you, Councillor. It's not an unreasonable request. Uh, we have to take a break now. Okay. Bob, thank you very much for your call. And uh, Councillor Matlow, thank you so much for that. My pleasure. Thanks. Appreciate it. Bye for now. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will be back with uh, another councillor in the neighbouring ward, Joe Mahevic, and we will take more of your calls. The numbers before we go, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-744-740. Back after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We've been talking about that train derailment right in the heart of Midtown Toronto yesterday, right near Spadina and DuPont. I must say a scary sight. I live only a few blocks from there. Uh, We've heard from a former rail worker who says that basically it was the equivalent of a fender bender and that uh, those of us who think that this type of traffic should be moved away from heavily residential areas are uh, NIMBYs. We just want to move it somewhere else. So what do you think? The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And right now on the line, I have Councillor Joe Mahevic, also from St. Paul's, and he is, you know, a few blocks over from where it happened. Hi, Councillor Mahevic, how are you? Uh, good Good afternoon, neighbour, and uh, yes, I'm a... You're a few blocks away from the site of the of the derailment, and I'm a few blocks further further to the north. So all in the all in the same neighborhood. Right. Uh, so again, uh, we've just been talking to Councillor Matlow, whose ward it is, and he was talking about uh, the uh, dangerous cars that are slated to be replaced, but not till 2025. Uh, one of our callers says those cars were not involved yesterday. Uh, and I'm quite curious that this was blamed on human error. Somebody apparently went through a red light. So uh, does that focus attention away from the issues, which is whether this kind of traffic should be going through neighborhoods like that? Yes, yeah, so there's a very strong position that uh, any councillor, 
city councilor along the rail line has, the current Midtown rail line, that uh, we should be looking at uh, stronger Canadian-wide regulations, especially post-Lake post, uh, Megantique, uh, to restrict uh, especially dangerous good movements in densely populated urban areas. And that's not a NIMBY. I think that's frankly just good public policy. There have been enough accidents. Certainly in my youth, I remember uh, Mississauga, the Mississauga train derailment, and of course, we were reminded uh, Lake Megantique a few years ago. And yesterday was was uh, yes, it was a small fender bender, but it still it just gives us a yet another wake up call that uh, these uh, vehicles are in our neighborhood, and uh, we do not know. In fact, we don't know what's uh, what's on the on the cargo. Uh, we do know that uh, sometimes it is dangerous material. The the federal legislation uh, does not mandate that they tell the local political arm they tell the fire department uh but uh, it's on a need-to-know basis for all kinds of national security reasons so we don't know what's on it but even even without that i think that the best policy really is is to say okay as as communities change as cities become big cities and then mega cities uh and as intensification happens in that quarter is intensifying uh, wonderfully, or it's intensifying quite a bit, uh, and will be for the next 20 years, that we have to think of, uh, of new national policies that uh, govern how uh, dangerous goods move through uh, densely populated urban areas. Yeah, so, um, I mean, again, um, do you, are there, you know, large interests or, or lobbying that, that are the reason that they got such a long timeline? For, oh, for changing it, those cars? Oh, it, well, there's the changing of the cars uh, piece, and, and uh, they're going to, their argument, the rail industry's argument was that uh, as the new ones get built and as the old ones retire, they will progressively be uh, making the, uh, the box cars that carry the dangerous goods, uh, they'll be safer. That's, and that's, that's a key piece of this uh, puzzle. Another piece is the the uh, the speed at which they go into urban areas, and we need to slow them down so that if there is a derailment, uh, that uh, it isn't as uh, drastic as what happened in in Quebec. <clears throat> uh, there are other but uh, haven't they already been slowed down? Uh, I can't remember the speed at which they're going, but we need to slow them down even further. Anyone who lives immediately adjacent to it, it feels fast for them. Uh, and that's certainly the complaint that I've been getting from local residents, that uh, it, it just feels fast. And uh, the, the, the related thing, of course, is, is how far away from rail lines do you want residential communities to be allowed to build? Uh, and in the Midtown area of Toronto, that's DuPont Avenue. There's some pressure, development pressures there. And what we've kind of gone through this whole process, that it has to be 30 meters, which is the length of one, uh, one vehicle, one car, car length. Uh, and then if it isn't 30, it will go down to 20 meters if there is a, uh, structured engineered wall to prevent any crashing, uh, if it were to happen, uh, in, uh, in, in downtown Toronto. Doesn't so sound the, very far to me. Uh, well, 30 meters is one car, one car length. And then if you have a wall at the 20 meter mark, uh, that is engineered to withstand a, a large, uh, a large crash, uh, then it was deemed, uh, and there was professional advice given that that would be the new the new standard for for residential development. So we're not going to build anything closer than, uh, to, frankly, twenty to thirty meters. And even there, it won't be residential; it will be commercial 
on the on the ground on the ground floors. We'll allow the residential higher up, but further away from from uh, from the tracks. So there's a lot of rethinking that we need to do as a city. But another piece, of course, is the federal piece, and that is to uh, basically figure out well what is appropriate, and not appropriate for these kinds of uh, communities, and whether dangerous goods should even be thought of as as appropriate for this kind of dense uh, urban environment. Okay, um, Councillor Mahevic, uh, let's take a call here. We've got uh, Marek in Toronto. Hi, Marek. Hi, hi, how are you? Fine. Uh, you're on the air and we're listening. You, thank you. Um, you frankly speaking, uh, he, I'm just puzzled uh, again. Uh, Canada is the second largest country in the world. Toronto is a huge city. We have so much land. And this is the local politicians. This is um, Joe is uh, on the microphone. And I'm just puzzled. How come you put so much, the the railway built this country. It was a pride. It's united the nation. Yeah. And why we are now questioning the quality of the railway. You know, like to build the, it's like a, House on the house on the railway. It's uh, when we have so much land, you know. So it's like a, are the politicians just thinking about to get the tax dollar from the property, or do you do we have any urban planning for the? Well, the the city changed. I mean, when those railways were built, um, this wasn't, you know, the heart of Midtown, but it is now. Councillor Mahevic, I mean, you know, what do yeah, you? No, absolutely. Well, I think the caller makes an interesting point. And what what the railways? We I've had several meetings with the railway executives, uh, CPCN, and what they'll tell you very quickly. In and this is in national legislation, and national legislation trumps local bylaws. Uh, is that they were there first? And if cities chose to build around railways, then that's a city problem. It's not a railway problem. <clears throat> and you know, we push back and say, well, you know what? Let's work this out. Like we, it's not like we we chose to have have all these people come to the midtown area when it was the suburbs of the downtown. Uh, it's just how cities develop, and cities develop around good transportation lines, and of course the rails are, are a part of that. So are you, are you just a minute, I, I, so are you saying that um, the railways are, are not exactly cooperative when you try to sit down with them? Oh, well, uh, I think that would be uh, a good way to put it. They're not fully cooperative. They're, they're not willing to move their lines unless they get some kind of federal slash uh, provincial uh, support. Um, they say, uh, and they're not, they, they will only under real duress uh, slow the trains down uh, or realize that they need to treat their access in urban areas different than in rural areas. Uh, so they they've actually been uh, kind of uh, resistant to to a- any changes, and their argument has been, "Hey, we were here first. Get over it." And we've got national legislation backing no. us up. Can I can I ask you a question? Do you think that these railways are going to for a ride, whatever? This is this is. I don't understand. I'm a business person. I'm talking to business people, and this is no in Toronto. There is no parking, no delivery zone for the trucks. The Green Hornets are ticketing every car who's doing delivery. So where is the problem? If we, no problem, we can close the railway truck, but it means that our city, our country is going to die because this is, they are doing the vital delivery of the goods and services to the population, to the city. 
Is so you have yes. politicians wake up a little bit and not blame anybody. Like, you know how much money will cost to move the railway track? Uh, and it, well, you know, this is, but this is like, um, you have to really sit down and uh, I'm against building, building up on building even on the railway track because it's too close. It's worse, you know, the noise from the track. This is, unless we find another the, the way to deliver, uh, to distribute the goods, no problem. But at this moment, doesn't look that this, it is very inexpensive. And it's very convenient. And this is, I'm telling you, this is the second largest country in the world. Okay, Marek, let, um, let the council... Okay, Marek, thanks for your call. We're going to let uh, Councillor Mehevik respond, and then we're going to have to take a break. Thanks for your call, Councillor Mehevik. Yes, yeah, so, so rail did, has, and will build this country. Uh, you cannot think of Canada and the development of Canada without thinking and thanking, frankly, the, the railways. Of course, that's, that's absolutely to the point. And anyone who's uh, on the 401 or 400 series highways and sees all those trucks, if anything, we need to shift more of those, that kind of transportation onto rail. And the, you know, the, some of the modern mobility for the, for the big companies who are transporting large uh, uh, quantities or large pieces of, uh, of uh, whatever product, uh, that they they we want them to shift over to rail because those that's clogging up uh, those big trucks are clogging up the 400 series highways. So that this is not a statement against uh, against uh, rail companies. It is a it is a question of where do you build the next generation of rail infrastructure for the kinds of uh, developments that we want in Toronto and in the Greater Toronto area. Now there's a line that is uh, i understand is much less used uh, north of uh, north of the city uh, around highway 7 area that if there was an adjoining connecting connection made that would cost 1 to 2 billion dollars that that would allow uh, different uh, different kinds of movements to happen in the inner city toronto than in that area which is more more rural but even there it's being built up so th- these are tough questions for national politicians uh, uh, you know, my, my job is just for the Midtown area, and because of the development, and it's so intense that we have to think of, yes, yeah, slowing these vehicles down, making sure the vehicles are safer, and making sure that uh, dangerous goods are, are reported in a different kind of way. Okay. Councillor Mehevik, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.